We're in a situation where we have put together, and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. Welcome to the BCP podcast. We play that introduction. I make sure that I edit that introduction in almost every episode, 99 out of 100 episodes. Joe Biden to his campaign team before November 2020, telling his people they had the most inclusive and extensive voter fraud operation. You know, the same one that they had for Obama. So Obama used it. Joe Biden used it in 2020. The same operatives used it in, for uh, Carrie Lake to, uh, to thwart Carrie Lake in Arizona in 2022. So what confidence should we have in 2024? Well, look at this Rasmussen poll right here. A majority of voters think cheating will affect the outcome of the 2024 presidential election. Only 37 say it isn't likely. So just a little over a third of the people, which means two-thirds of the people more or less believe that 2024 will be rigged. So you are not alone. You are not alone in thinking that. A majority of U.S. voters believe cheating will affect the outcome of the 24 election. That number includes 52% of all voters, three-fourths of Republican voters, and only one-third of Democrat voters. But think of that. Even one-third of Democrat voters believe the fraud will affect the 2024 election. Maybe they're afraid that when President Trump wins, that it'll be by fraud. I don't really know how to read that one. Because people who are self-identified Democrats do not use sense. Once again, I'm trying to stay away from using common sense because apparently common sense no longer is that prevalent nor common. All right, we got some news uh here in my home state of Utah, my stopgap state, until I finally make Texas my real home state. And it's courtesy of China Joe and his looking the other way, most likely, like he did last year. Hello, everyone. I'm Elaine Quijano. We are following breaking news. The United States is tracking a high-altitude balloon flying over the western part of the country. One official told CBS News the balloon was seen over Colorado. Military aircraft spotted the balloon and determined it is not a threat, but its origin and purpose are still unknown. They don't know the purpose of this balloon, nor its origin, but don't worry, it doesn't pose a threat. Oh, someone comes into your house. You don't know who they are, where they come from, or why they're there. You should just assume that they're not a threat. It's reportedly drifting east in the jet stream. Now, this comes a little more than a year after the U.S. shot down a massive Chinese surveillance balloon off the coast of South Carolina. But of course, CBS News has to report the following, which, from what I understand, has not been substantiated. Maybe it has been since then, but when it first came out, this sure smelled like, oh, we caught Biden doing something bad. Let's blame it on Trump or say that the same thing happened under Trump. 
It was later revealed that several such balloons have entered U.S. airspace since 2018 and evaded early detection at the time. China claims the balloon shot down last year was merely a weather monitoring station and it had been blown off course due to high winds. President Biden was still criticized for letting the balloon fly over the U.S. for nearly a week before ordering it to be shot down. CBS News article, that was a CBS News uh, TV news, but their article, let's, let's just have fun here, folks. It's a Friday. We're going to the weekend. Let's just see if we can't spot the bias. In their article, this is how they spin it. The U.S. is tracking a small high-altitude balloon that is drifting across the country but poses no threat to national security, U.S. officials and the military said Friday. CBS News first reported that the military was tracking the balloon as it traversed the western U.S. earlier in the day. NORAD, the military command responsible for air defense over U.S. and Canada, later confirmed it had detected the object and said it was floating between 43,000 and 45,000 feet. Its presence prompted enough concern that the command sent aircraft to investigate. The balloon was intercepted by NORAD fighters over Utah. I told you that part of this uh, was getting news in my home state or my current state of residence. I shouldn't call it my home state. California is my home state. New York's my birth state. Who determined it was not maneuverable and did not present a threat to national security. NORAD will continue to track and monitor the balloon. The FAA has also determined the balloon posed no hazard to flight safety. Its origins and purpose remain unknown. The developments come one year after tensions between the U.S. and China ratcheted to new heights after a Chinese balloon carrying sophisticated spying equipment flew over the continental U.S. for several days. They actually got the reporting right there, but this is why I thought it was very funny. The spy balloon became a political headache for President Biden, who faced criticism from Republicans over his decision to allow it to transit over the U.S. for nearly a week before ordering it shot down. Biden officials said they waited until it was off the coast to minimize the risk to civilians on the ground. But, uh, you know, it was those Republicans who were giving him a hard time and it made things tough with China. What freaking malarkey. And let's not forget what we learned last year. And that lesson should be right now that we shouldn't trust the government and what they have to say about this. A reminder, according to the Pentagon, Last year's spy balloon carried explosives to self-detonate, was 200 feet tall, and weighed thousands of pounds. And it was reported that General Milley also knew the spy balloon was collecting data as it flew over the continent of the U.S., but kept this from the American public. According to CNN, no friend of truth, the Chinese spy balloon used U.S. internet to communicate as it soared over the United States. Small details. Small details that I think are important that we remember. Why General Milley, why his arse is not in the brig, why he hasn't been court-martialed and given a traitor's uh, reward. Well, I would say it escapes me or surprises me, but of course we know that they actually are communist Marxists currently running our government. All right, since we're talking about tracking, let's use that as a segue into... What's happening to, I can't call them lovebirds. I don't know if they're really in love, but we can call them lustbirds. Nathan Wade and Fat Fanny Willis. Check this out. Local breaking news out of Atlanta. Defense says cell phone data raises questions about the start of Willis-Wade relationship. Thousands of texts between DA and special prosecutor in 2021, court filing says. Well, why is this important? Well, remember, Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade maintained that uh, 
their relationship started after she hired him to be part of the case against President Trump. Phil Halloway of Town Hall. Breaking cell phone data raised questions about the start of Fannie Willis's Wade affair. Cell data seems to contradict Wade's testimony in which he said he visited Willis at her condo in Hapeville no more than 10 times before he was hired in November of 2021. Megan Kelly responding to that. Stunning that Team Trump got their hands on this in the Fannie Willis case. More evidence that these two prosecutors lied under oath. They're looking at perjury charges and worse. Discipline from the bar and there is zero chance they can stay on this case. It's done. Well, Megan Kelly uh, has uh, great reach and she was able to get Phil Holloway on her show at the last minute just a little while ago to talk about this. I'll show that to you in a second. But here's some stuff that uh, Phil Holloway uh, shared on Twitter. On September 11th, 2021, Mr. Wade's phone left the Doraville area and arrived with the geofence located on the Dogwood address at 10.45 p.m. So late night, uh, booty call looks like. The phone remained there until September 12th, 3.28 a.m. So he was hanging out with Fannie Willis in her place for about four hours. All right. This is in 2021, obviously before the 2022 date that they said is when their relationship started. After At 3.28, the phone traveled directly to Towers located in East Cobb, consistent with his routine pinging at his residence in that area. So uh, looks like a late night booty call. Then he went to his wife. He went home to his wife, who probably wouldn't have him. The phone arrived in East Cobb at approximately 4.05 a.m. and records demonstrated he sent a text at 4.20 a.m. to Miss Willis. The uh, post, how do you say this? Trist, the uh, post-affair follow-up text. I know nothing about these. I know nothing about this, folks, uh, but I have seen uh, uh, movies and what have you. God Almighty is my witness. I will stand before the tribunal of the great father, the great Lord Jesus Christ, and be judged and say, I have been faithful to my wife. I've never had a midnight booty call that I've gone to. I feel filthy saying booty call and evoking the name of the Lord in the same sentence. So we're not to judge, but I absolutely believe in the sanctity of marriage and the importance and the, I wouldn't even say the, the importance, I would say the fen- fundamental part of core of your integrity is being absolutely faithful to the spouse that you have chosen. We live in a Western societies where we have the idea of romance and we get to pick whom we marry. We're not in, a, uh, in arranged marriages, forced marriages, or shotgun weddings anymore. You pick that person. Be faithful to them. And if you're not, that's a core. That I have a problem with that. I have a problem with that. Let me be transparent. That's why I wasn't. When Trump first came out running for president, I'd, I'd known Trump as a business person. I never, to this day, I've never watched The Apprentice. I don't think I've ever seen more than a two or three minute clip of The Apprentice, maybe on Twitter or YouTube or what have you. But I've never watched an entire episode. At this point, I don't want to watch an entire episode until President Trump is done with his God willing second term. But that's when the, that's when I was like, oh man, you know, 
I like Trump, like he was saying. He's a great businessman. I, I, he does love America. But that was just a, 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 a that that whole Playboy Bruce Wayne part of Trump Batman. I just really had a hard time with. And then when the uh, uh, the Billy Bass or whatever his name uh, uh, video came out, that wasn't shocking to me. I was like, yeah, that's 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 locker talk. But that, who was surprised by that? Now, of course, there is repentance and forgiveness and what have you. And President Trump has been with Melania a long time. He's faithful to his children and his past wives with which he's had children. So President Trump, as far as being married multiple times, is, is doing a, a great thing. But someone like Nathan Wade and Fannie Willis, and some are going to say, oh, you're just being biased here because you like Trump. Yeah, Trump has proven himself. Nathan Wade and Fannie Willis are still trying to hide their crime. We'll continue with Phil uh, Holloway. November 29th, 2021. Mr. Wade's phone was pinging on the East Cobb Towers near his residence and following a call from Willis 11.32 p.m. While the call continued, his phone left the East Cobb area just after midnight and arrived within the geofence located at the Dogwood address. In other words... She called him 11.30 and he had over there and was there at 12.43 and he was at that uh, November 29th midnight fanny call. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> let's, let's, not, let's not call it let's not call it uh, a booty call. I mean, her name is Fanny. So let's just call it a fanny call. Why don't we? It's the weekend, folks. A little levity here. We got to have fun with this. Or we will go crazy. Or maybe I'm just speaking for myself. So November 29th. Once again, these dates are important because these are before this is this is before their supposed 2022 beginning of their relationship. I mean, I don't know what was going on there. He got a 11:30 call, and he was on the phone while he drove to her house past midnight, and then he got there and he was there till almost five in the morning. Maybe he had some laundry to pick up. Maybe they were discussing some important... Maybe he was getting some advice from her. And he's such a busy guy, he had to make a late-night Fanny call to get that advice from Fanny, the DA. Absolutely ridiculous. But it wasn't isolated. Phil Holloway, heavy concentration after hours, seven days a week, approximately 12,000 interactions in 2021. Bill, Phil Holloway goes, I don't call text my wife that often, I don't think. This suggests more than a friend, which suggests Fannie Willis and team have perpetrated a fraud on the court if this is all true. What comes next for Fannie Willis? The judge has had a hearing for March 1st, 2024, where he will hear additional evidence. Undoubtedly, Trump's team will present this damning cell phone evidence. He may reopen evidence related to Terrence Bradley and text messages that appear to show the affair started earlier than Willis and Wade have testified to. Welcome to the Megyn Kelly Show, everyone. I'm Megyn Kelly, special edition coming to you live from Washington, D.C., where I am for CPAC. Uh, and I was not expecting to be on the air today, but we had such significant breaking news in the Fannie Willis debacle that we had to put an episode out for you. So that's what we're doing today. And Phil Holloway, who's the founder of Holloway Law Group, a lawyer down in Cobb County, uh, right where this is all happening. He knows a lot of the players in the case is with us. And we're going to get you updated on the bombshell developments that dropped earlier this morning. Phil, thanks for being here. Always happy to be with you, Megan. Good afternoon. Thank you very much. And to you. Um, all right. So 
let's just start with the headline. The headline is that the defense lawyers for Trump filed uh, a, a brief today attaching an affidavit from an investigator who works for the defense who went and somehow, you're going to explain how, managed to get a subpoena for Nathan Wade's cell phone records, not all of his, you know, the specifics of his texts, but that that show where he was, what cell phone towers his phones were connecting to, how many times he called Fannie Willis, et cetera. There's a ton of detail in here. And what they are saying is that there's really no doubt that these two were in excessive contact throughout at least 2021, long before they said their affair began under oath in 2022, to the tune of 12,000 text messages over the 11th month, 11 month period they looked at in 2021, and over 2,000 voice calls in that same period. I was averaging it out. It's basically, I think, 180 uh, text messages a month, which is a lot, or 100, no, it's 180 voice calls a month, which is insane. I went back just for, for kicks to see how many voice calls my husband and I had this month, Phil, and it was 46. All right, so they had uh, they were averaging 180, these alleged non-lovers, during 2021, and the cell phone tower evidence seemed to suggest there were also overnight visits between these two allegedly platonic friends. So what did you, what was your takeaway and what you read this morning? Yep. So that that's quite something. And of course, you know, we have not heard their response, but I don't know what their response could be because what, what they did, they used something called geofencing, which basically, you know, law enforcement uses it all the time to solve crimes. Now it's interesting, this whole geotagging and geofencing and geotracking that 2000 mules used with, you know, true the vote, uh, with uh, with Greg and uh, Catherine Engelbert, they uh, that's discounted that oh, 2,000 mules, oh, that's just bo bogus. Oh, that geofencing, geotagging, geolocation from phone data isn't accurate. Yet we're seeing, and we know, that it's a great tool to use when it comes to investigations. Anytime somebody goes somewhere with a smartphone, you know, it can be tracked. And this is, quite frankly, one of the first times I've ever seen it used this way by the defense in a criminal case. But last week, when we heard Steve Sadow uh, questioning Nathan Wade and Fonnie Willis, he asked some questions that led me to believe that he just might have cell phone data. And and lo and behold, he's working in connection with uh, Ashley Merchant, who represents Mr. Roman, who first brought this whole thing to light. They, they sent a subpoena to the cell phone providers and they got the data. Uh, and they ran it through fancy software that investigators use. And by the way, uh, private investigators who work for criminal defense lawyers, they can get the same training that cops can get. And so the tables have really been turned. The table has been turned indeed. This data, Megan, shows that he was at, you know, her place or maybe that safe house or 
remember the witness that said, you know, that it was at her home for a while. She's the one that saw them together, saw them acting friend, like her friend, her former yeah. friend, Robin Yurti, who that turned on the, her that and was testified. The resident. That was, yeah, that yeah, was the that, resident. She, just, just to bring people up to speed, that was the friend, Robin Yurti, who was her very good friend since college and also testified the affair was going on long before 2022. Also said that after Fanny was getting harassed at her home, she allowed Fanny to move into Robin's condo for a period of time and it appears to include most of 2021 yeah. and um that's where fanny was during all this time and the defense was making a big deal during the hearing we watched last week of how many times did mr wade visit you there is that that's what you're talking about yeah and that's and that's so that's the resonance that they they use after his testimony they went back and and compared the cell phone data and they found him going there you know from uh, you know, in in the evening, maybe you know, seven, eight, nine o'clock to three, four, five o'clock in the morning, right? So this is not the time when you're just basically over there visiting your boss, you know, preparing for court, right? This is the time when you're uh, doing things, maybe sleeping, maybe sleeping together. Maybe they're just cuddling. Maybe they were just cuddling. Now. This last week, it seems like they had this data or they had this data queued up and they were literally entrapping Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade by asking these questions and then having the filing today showing this data. Like we got this data showing that they lied, that their relationship, they were seeing each other quite a few times, having quite a bit of communication, more than a friendship or, or a professional relationship with these late night Fannie calls and Fannie hookups. That, that, that was very well played, which once again shows you that perhaps when it comes to Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade, these aren't the sharpest tools in the toolbox, in the shed. The lawyer and famous tweeter, Technofog, has a great breakdown. Trump's attorneys were able to obtain by subpoena to at and Wade's cell phone records from 1121 through 113021. Isn't that interesting? AT&T was in the news yesterday as well as I covered. Wade's location data was analyzed by an investigator hired by the attorneys. An analytical tool which generated geolocation data that pinpointed his presence at DA Willis's South Fulton condo during that time period. Over 2,000 voice calls and just under 12,000 interactions between January 1st and November 30th, 2021. They didn't even take the month of December into consideration. Wade was at DA Willis's condo at least 35 times. He was stationary at the condo and not in transit. I'm not even going to touch about that uh, stationary uh, uh, comment there. In other words, he was at the condo. He wasn't driving away from it. Uh, whether he was physically stationary while in that condo at that hour. <laughs> We're all big boys and girls here. We can probably come to our own conclusions. Now, the visits were corroborated with texts and phone calls, which I already went through uh, with you. Uh, a couple of these instances, there's uh, a few slides uh, that break it down. So it's important to note that Trump's investigator is under a serious time constraint due to the nature of the proceedings before Judge Scott McAfee and wasn't able to analyze all of the Wade Willis data, which he describes as voluminous. Uh, 12,000 interactions in 11 months, 
over a thousand interactions a month. Hell yeah, I'd call that voluminous. The two, vi- the two visits listed above, those are just a small fraction of the 35 plus trips that Wade made to D.S. Willis's condo. And if his review continues, then more revelations will follow. The extent of communication between D.A. Willis and Wade, the thousands of calls and nearly 10,000 texts, indicate something more than what they described as a friendship. Technofog says, we don't like to go out on a limb, but these records are a game changer. Previously, we discussed whether Judge McAfee were determined there was an appearance of impropriety given the conflicting testimonies from witnesses about the romantic relationship. Now, these records are sufficient to erase any doubt in Judge McAfee's mind, notwithstanding any attempt by Fulton County to explain the text and location data. He says, expect Fulton County to allege these were work meetings or to dispute that the records prove where Wade was those nights. These records support the testimony of Robert Yearty, D. Willis's former uh, friend who Megan Kelly and Mr. Uh, Holloway were talking about. They uh, support her testimony that there was no doubt the relationship started before Wade became special prosecutor. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Here, here's where, you know... I'm always saying these bastards, these treasonous, traitorous, rat bastards get away with everything. And so they continue their bad actions. Bad actors will act badly until these bad actors have some sort of consequence or punishment or retribution for their treasonous actions, for their illegal, unethical, bad actions. And this is where we can take solace that perhaps this won't just be swept under the rug. We can hope, at least. Wade's cell phone records. They destroyed the testimony from and credibility of D. Willis and Wade. Perjury before the court by itself would be sufficient for disqualification. In other words, these records, which will likely be more thoroughly analyzed to show more damning late-night visits, make disqualification a likelihood, not just a possibility, although a likelihood still is not guaranteed. But disqualification would be just the start. Wade's cell phone records also increase the exposure of D.A. Willis and Nathan Wade for criminal charges. Charges including perjury, false statements, depending on the prosecutor. Easy to imagine that a Democrat prosecutor wouldn't take the case. At a minimum, D.A. Willis and Wade face an increased potential for severe punishment from the Georgia Bar whether suspensions of the law license, disbarment, or other sanctions. Like we said, a game changer. Now, we know that part of the operation to steal the election in Georgia, that Governor Kemp and uh, Brad Raffin's Rat Bassettberger, both Republicans, were part of this. But it seems to me that if a Democrat prosecutor won't bring anything uh, up against Fannie, who was in church this last Sunday getting an award and still playing the whole victim card, if she's able to skate, it seems to me that the Republicans in Georgia would be able to maybe get a special prosecutor or, or some sort of um, special look at this thing and criminally charge her if a Democrat prosecutor didn't want to take the case. Either way, disqualification at a minimum, and this case should be thrown out wholesale. What are your thoughts? Put them down below. Until the next one, ciao, goodbye, and God bless. We're in a situation where we have put together, and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. 
We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics.